Like, you know what I mean? They'll throw out the bank, all that, and they'll act like, they'll run like they're reproducing, but they can't reproduce. Oh, that's um, interesting there. Yeah, so it lives until it's life, and then it, that's it. It's, it's, if you don't like it, that's it. It can't reproduce. It's not possible. Just don't understand how there's so many of them in. <laughs> because they put them in there. Oh, somebody makes these fish and puts yeah, them in somebody there. makes them and puts them in there. Yeah, a hybrid striped bass, also known as a wiper or white rock bass, is a hybrid between the striped bass and the white bass. It can be distinguished from the striped bass by broken rather than solid horizontal stripes in the body. Huh. That's nuts. Yeah, they're, the trout, like the trout in Georgia, believe it or not, they're like that. There, there, there's ones there that reproduce, but they're they're few and far between. You gotta go back in the back country to find them type of trout up in the Georgia mountains, which I'm gonna be doing soon. And just to let everybody know, uh, Matt and Brandon, everyone, welcome to the One Day Outdoors podcast. We are live in the booth. We're going going live, Matt and Brandon. <laughs> Hey, uh, we're going to do a fishing episode here, everyone. We appreciate y'all stopping by to check us out. Like I said, this is the One Day Outdoors podcast. We also have a Facebook page as well as a YouTube page and Instagram. We just a few guys that love hunting and fishing and the outdoors and made real good friends with each other through work and uh, going out fishing together and hanging out with each other's families and helping each other out any way we can. And we just love to to get together or call each other and talk about hunting and fishing. So we made a podcast and yeah, I kind of made it before they came along, but either way, they came along to help me out with it. So I got somebody to talk to and have fun with because like I said, I'm just passionate about hunting, fishing and God's great outdoors, man. And we're gonna, uh, get into some stuff we've done together fishing and uh we'll talk about fishing and whatever else you know comes up because it's really just we're gearing up for deer season and uh starting to shoot our bows and tune some stuff up and getting all our systems ready i just ordered some final stuff for my saddle stuff so that's gonna be fun and yeah we're gearing up ready for deer season and also doing some fishing in the meantime, in the off season. So, Matt, welcome to the show. How you doing today? Pretty good. Having a good day. For most part. Brandon, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. Working in this hot, hot weather. Mm, Enjoying mm, this hundred. I'll tell you what. How you doing? I'll tell you what, it's hot out there. They got me running some rigid aluminum conduit on the rooftop. It's actually the third floor roof of... Man, it's sweet. It's kind of sweet, but it's... And, like, there's a there's a penthouse. It's, it's called a mechanical penthouse up there. And this AC is pumping in there. They got a bunch of these hydro fans, like, real... Them superpower little fans. I mean, I sat there on lunch. I took my lunch break up there. I went down, heated my stuff up, went back up there, took my lunch break up there because I go out in that sun, but I can come back in that cool building. 
and it's nice in there. Nobody messes with you. Mm. I'm just high up on that roof now. <laughs> is, that, is that one of the white neoprene roofs? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what you meant. Sorry about that. That's why I didn't answer your question there, bro. Um, yeah, it's white neoprene. You got to have shades on, and you're getting sun from both yeah, angles. And that's the only spot I've ever been. You'll get sunburn underneath your arms. Yeah, I believe you it. You know how you usually sunburn underneath your arms. You'll get sunburn up there underneath your arms working up there. Yeah, I believe it. I was talking, <clears throat> excuse me, I was talking to the other guy I'm working with, my apprentice, about that. I said, man, we're getting it from both angles, man, because white uh, reflects the sunlight. So it's bouncing it back up from the bottom, too, like the heat and the the sun, like you said, it'll burn you from the bottom, cook you from the bottom and the top right there. Yeah, yeah that's when, uh, that's the one time it's good. I usually don't go for the type of things, but a lot of people do where it's the one time you want to bring one of those, uh, 10 by 10 easy pitches or whatever, have something to tie it off, tie it off to your tool bag or whatever, because that, that right there, that roof will get you. Yeah, I've been sticking and moving, man. I run in there in that cool spot, and then I'll go out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll go out there and do what I need to do out there on the roof for a few minutes. It's only I'm hooking up a disconnect and, like, uh, another little, uh, what is it called? The little other data wire type stuff, control wires for it or whatever. So it's for the MRI room and stuff. But either way. We're going to uh, definitely get off of work because I got a whole bunch of days off coming up here, and I'm thinking about the woods now and fishing and maybe taking a kayak or going bear scouting, all kind of stuff. I got a question for you about this bear. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> what are you going to do with it when you get it? You going to eat it? For sure. Oh yeah, it's better than deer. They say it's better than deer meat. Oh yeah, it's getting okay. ate up, ate up, made into a rug. I might, if he's big enough, I'll mount him. I go go in a hole and just mount him a full body mount. I standing in the front of my. You walk in and he's touching the ceiling because I ain't even got high enough ceiling to have a big old mount like that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, man. That's interesting. It would be fun, man. There's a guy from around this way that shot a big one right up here where I'm talking about in this in this general area that I'm talking about hunting in. And man, they're in there. They're in there. And uh I just I'm itching. I'm I'm like almost like willing willing to just every chance I can go do that over even deer hunting because a lot of the time you could deer hunt while you're bear hunting too. So it's not like you're losing anything. If a big buck steps out, it'll be in a certain time frame where one should be walking and moving. Probably some rutting action, maybe in that same period. At least one of the one or two of the hunts, maybe. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I've been watching some videos about how to. They were kind of more. Um, relatable to someone who's living up in the north range of the country but it was still some good information about some bear hunting and 
just different things to look for while scouting for them, such as their food source and water nearby and creek type of system, your your usual stuff. You know, I'm sure I'd be looking up a little higher for scratching and uh, bears tracks and scat and all that fun stuff, of course. But man, I can't wait to. I can't wait. It won't be too. It won't be too much log longer, and I'll be chasing hogs around in in the swamps and stuff. I can't wait for that either. Yeah, yeah, hunting season can't come up any faster, man. That's for sure. I got some cameras that have been sitting out for about a month and a half. I need to go see what if if anything's been there, and if it ain't, move them on. Oh yeah, it's probably about that time. Month and a half is definitely that time. You ought to have something on there. <clears throat> yeah, if not, it's just kind of just move them because i just got them out there just you know just to start a little bit of scouting i'm not too like stressing it or anything like that but i want to have something right i'm just kind of trying to run a couple take some inventory get i'm trying to get some good good stuff going i i didn't have too productive of a season last season so i'm really just trying to start real early because this is what i like to do and i to be honest with you, like when deer season gets here, like almost everything else kind of stops going on in my life. And I start trying to figure out how I can go hunting as much as possible. And sometimes that's not, not good for me financially and stuff, but Hey, listen, I, I really love being out in the woods and sometimes I'll just have to, you know, eat a few more bologna sandwiches and such. And that way, and not go out and eat no sushi or whatever. And hey, we're going hunting. That's where yeah, I'm at. Yeah, that's the balance, right? That's the balance. Working what you love to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I guess uh, I'll start us off with some fishing stuff. I just want to kind of do different segments of it kind of i guess we'll break it down into a couple of different things like the different places we fish so we'll go through i'll talk about the different areas i have fished and then y'all can talk about some of the different types of areas and stuff y'all have fished <clears throat> and then what what those areas like what your favorite one of them is as far as what you would want to look for when you, if you were going fishing tomorrow, or if you went fishing today, what what draws you to them places? Like not not where is it at specifically, like by name, but what type of features it has. For instance, uh, maybe lily pads, you know, maybe grass in the water, maybe it's isolated, things of that nature. So I'll go first, so y'all can kind of get an idea, and we'll try to go through like that, and then. We'll just see where it goes from there. So some of the places I have fished, mostly when I was a kid, I started fishing with my uncle and my dad and stuff some. And I would go work at carpet jobs and stuff with my uncle, picking up scraps and stuff, 8, 10 years old probably. And then we'd go to the intercoastal waterway area to go fishing. So like – it's a pretty long strip, so I don't feel like that's really a name dropping thing. But we would we had a, a somewhat isolated spot where at times you would have to. I remember having to kind of like hold all our fishing poles up above the water, 
and swim. Now, this is a, a brackish water area, mostly salt, probably. I would say leaning more towards heavy salt, prob probably not much brackish at all. It's probably more all your salt water fish were in there more likely. I'm not exactly 100% sure on that, but all your saltwater fish you could catch there. But sometimes we would have to uh, swim and hold all our poles up above our heads to get to this little island type of deal. And there was a little inlet, kind of like a real little ditch type of inlet, and then it would flood, and you would have to swim to get back over to this bridge type of area. And I think they've built where where this spot was at now, so we wouldn't even be able to go any right there anymore. But there was a bridge there, and uh, this was kind of off under the bridge, but off to the side of it. And that's mostly the type of fishing that I've still done growing up until I was able to get a boat, which I didn't have long and didn't use long, but also, you know, just that's the main thing. I just didn't use it very long to talk about a boat a lot. But I did a lot of shoreline fishing growing up, mostly brackish water. And we would catch out there with my uncle, we would catch the same species I caught the whole time, which would be like flounder, be really happy if we caught old doormat flounder. We always talk about, man, that's a doormat. You know, it was just a big one, big, huge flounder. You know, might be 36 inches long or, or 30 inches long or somewhere around in there, just real big and wide. And uh, we mostly would catch things like uh, reds, trout, channel cat, stuff like that and and they were always real pretty and colorful and and nice sized fish because we would sit right there and in that little ditch that came in there we would throw the cast net and catch finger mullet and if the mullet were running we were good if the mullet wasn't running we were kind of like dead in the water out there every time i always remember that it was like always and and that was our biggest thing. We try to load up on as many of them finger mullet, man. And I, we'd be sitting out there, and I'd just be baking in the sun, and we wouldn't be getting no bite for a while or something. But then when you did catch a fish, it'd be a quality fish. That's what I always remembered about finger mullet. So your live baits always caught your quality fish anytime I've seen it for the most part. I mean, you can catch, not to say that you can't catch quality fish on uh, some kind of plastic or something like that but uh artificial but just i always knew for me personally a real big finger mullet was always gonna get something good and uh that was mostly what we did man and then i moved and moved around and bounced around and got old enough to really go out fishing by myself and started riding out and fishing with my brother and my friends and stuff. We always went fishing, man. That was been our thing my whole life. Like first, my first love really in the outdoors was fishing. I didn't start hunting until later in life, you know, in my thirties. So I was always out uh, somewhere in, in my area. I won't name no names, but there's a couple particular roads in my area of town where I was living at that are real known hot spot fishing spots all up and down these areas. You know, I mean, I live in a, in a city where there's like water everywhere, but there are some places that's like, there's more water than others and there's more spots to fish than others. And I would usually hang out in those areas and, and would be 
less likely to be at a beach or something like that, but more likely to be kind of inshore in a river or uh, some type of in, inlet, like closer in towards the brackish side more than the salt mostly. And, uh, man, just big drum, black drum, uh, and always still happy to catch a good flounder. And then really got big on trout fishing from a bridge eventually, too. Would go out, man, with a whole bunch of live shrimp with a float lead and slay the trout, like flipping them up on the bridges all day long. So that was super fun doing that, too. So I had a lot of fun doing that. So that's mostly been... What I've done fishing, then a little bit of boat fishing, but not much of that. And then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I can't never talk once I hit this record button on here. I always got something in my throat, but like I've been out deep sea fishing a couple times too. So, like, I've been way out off the, you know, way out off jetties and offshore different things like that that's been fun but i haven't done that very often i've only been way offshore a couple times don't done some king fishing just not too long ago i got a video on the youtube where i went out mahi fishing with a buddy bobby of mine that was real fun we went like 70 miles out caught a bunch of mahi had two or three of them on at one time it was it was awesome it was a blast it's also a long trip, and then I went out another time with a charter boat, and that was real fun, too. I hooked, I think it was a big old red snapper I caught. I had to throw him back in, but he was giant. So just, I mean, that's been like most of my, I know I, I went more than just to my spots. I talked about some of the fish. I didn't really get into those stories, but that's that's been like most of my fishing i haven't really done a whole lot of bass fishing i got like one good story when i was a kid that was just a a real cool thing when i went there was a hurricane i think it was hurricane floyd i'm pretty sure almost 100 percent hurricane floyd came and me my great grandmother my grandmother my mom everybody evacuated except for my grandfather and it was his aunt eleanor or something like that and she had like a whole bunch of land and like ponds all over it and stuff like that and i went out there and and caught two big old bass real early in the morning one morning just like playing around didn't even think i was gonna catch anything and back to back had two nice bass i wish i had pictures of them or something man i mean i would like i need me a mount or something these were nice ones but uh that's my biggest bass thing and then i went one time not too long ago with jaw and but i don't catch much usually bass fishing i I just i don't know if i don't have the patience for flipping it around all, all day or what if i'm what i'm not doing right but i've caught a few of them here and there but not many at all and uh just maybe it's a little bit harder people have told me and compared it more to like hunting than like uh like fishing out in the river and stuff so either way um i'll go ahead and let y'all talk i kind of took up a whole lot of time so like i guess we'll just one of us whoever else wants to take the wheel real quick and give us a rundown and tell us some of what 
some of the places you fished and different type of features they have and just kind of dig into it and see where you can go. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Um, so I went and decided I was going to pick up fishing at like 24. And when, before that, I didn't know much about fishing. And to be honest with you, I learned a lot about what I know from fishing, from talking to guys that as soon as they set word fishing, the next thing you know, I'm picking their brains and everything else. I'm sure I had one buddy of mine, uh, Ronnie, who got tired of listening to me because I was asking him questions every single day because he'd been fishing his whole life and and everything like that. And then um, I just happened to be able to go bass fishing a lot easier than saltwater fishing. And so I've been able to go bass fishing. I'll, I'll save the spots on uh, Cecil Field and uh, off of the west side. Over There's like some residential ponds. That's what I love about Florida is like the fishing's the best because of like all these ponds that they make us have for whatever reason. They the birds just bring all the fish into them. Like if you just let that pond sit there long enough, there are going to be fish in there. You know what I mean? So like there's some residential ponds that I'll be hitting up probably like in the next couple of days, and you can just tear up bass the entire time. So, um. I have been saltwater fish. The only uh, flounder, you said uh, catching flounder. The one time I caught a flounder, I caught it on an electric chicken uh, swim bait. And that's a plastic swim bait, but it's like bright orange with a green bottom on it. And uh, I would drag it on the bottom because I had these uh, hooks that had like a little weight on the front of the hook. And you could drag the thing on the bottom of the water. And that's the only time I ever caught a flounder and it wasn't a keeper. So, uh, besides that, anytime I did saltwater, it's exactly what you said. I tried to have some form of live bait. I, I like using uh, fiddler crabs. Um, they're expensive, but I've always thought they were worth the money. I caught a couple of black drum one time on uh, fiddler crabs. And also, uh, the biggest red I caught wasn't a keeper, uh, was on a fiddler crab. And, uh, we had we used to have spots where we could go get them, so we didn't have to pay for them. But that was kind of fun in itself on how you would get the filler crabs. So, but uh, as far as bass fishing goes, I, I love that. That's what I really enjoy. Like, um, when it, like if I was to go out bass fishing, the reason why I like it is because my favorite spots to fish have shade. So like, I like to see like a larger like body of water that isn't so deep but it has a lot of shade around the sides during certain parts of the day because it that's where the fish like to go most of the time because you have those shallow waters and when you have those shallow water like the sun hits it and it's changing the temperature of that water just because it's shallow you know and then around over on the edges where the shade's hitting it's obviously not as warm so like the fish will gravitate there and you'll be able to you know what i mean it ups your chances at least i'm sure the the bigger fish know this, so they don't do it, but it ups your chances of catching something for sure. So, uh, and I just like, like weeded areas, places where like the grass is a little bit taller on the bottom. Uh, I don't know why, but they like that stuff. So, uh, the only other thing I can say is I like to like do uh small fishing poles. I don't like, uh, 
there's a lot of guys that have like five and six foot. Some guys have seven foot fishing poles. I think there's even some guys on YouTube that you'll see that they have like nine foot poles that they're bass fishing with. And uh, me and my wife, we use like little 36 inch uh, dock buster poles. That's because like whenever we're out there, you don't want to have to worry about swinging like a big old pole. We'll swing like a little small pole out there and I can cast it pretty far. My wife does pretty good with it too. So, uh, you know, that's something that I think is a little different. I think a lot of people use bigger poles, but uh, I like them because we can just stick them in the back of any vehicle and then we can take them anywhere. Um, yeah, as far as the size of bass I've caught, but I think the biggest I've ever caught has only been like six or seven pounds, but it was fun to catch. That one was caught on my, uh, I have a seven foot ugly stick. So that one was caught on a big pole, but it was cool. Cause I was using a drop shot with a, a, a black worm that had a red tail. It's called a, a stinger. Uh, it's kind of funny cause at Walmart, it's probably the cheapest bait you can buy. It's like 99 cents. But for whatever reason, it's just always been a go-to that's done really well for me down here because I'll hook it up different ways. But this way, I just had it hooked in the middle, and then I had a drop shot, which is where you have a weight down at the bottom below your bait, and it makes it where you can suspend your bait up above things. And so I was doing that, and I happened to catch like a bucket mount out of this one one late... it has like a little peninsula that goes out and I'm out at the end of the peninsula where I usually never catch anything for, I don't even know why I liked fishing the spot, but this is the one time I catch a fish at the end of the thing. And so it's a huge fish. I mean, you could stick probably two fists in its mouth when I got it up. I mean, it was beautiful. Um, but I'm not into double digits. I don't have like any huge monster of a fish, but that one was fun. Yeah. I mean, that's, we had a boat for a while there, but uh, we just didn't get to use it as much. Because we didn't get to use it as much, we ended up selling it. Uh, we had some good stories on the boat, but as far as catching fish on the boat, I don't think we really ever did that. That's probably the – I think there's only a handful of fish we could ever brag about as far as the boat went. So, uh, Yeah, that's really where I'm at. Yeah, I, that boat was, uh, uh, there was some crazy times on that thing. The boat was fun. It was fun. <coughs> it was real fun. Mm-hmm. It, it, we, uh, <laughs> except for the time that we had a, a big yacht and a weight boat come back to back. Oh. And try to swamp us. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was fun. Uh, man, I wish we could have had some type of video on what that boat looked like when it was out of water. Oh man, that was crazy. But, but me when I when I started like really fishing, it was in Ohio. I mean I I cast a pole in the water a few times when I lived in Florida the first time, but it was you know what I mean, I wasn't I wasn't fishing. I was just I threw a pole out there with and had no clue what I was doing. I was young, I was a little kid. My family didn't do much fishing, so I didn't start really, like, actual know what I was doing fishing, like, excited about it until I got to Ohio. And my favorite thing to catch in Ohio is we call them wipers. And what it is is they're a hybrid fish, for anybody who don't know about them. 
It's a um, it's a white bass and a striped bass hybrid, and they they can't reproduce. They're sterile fish, but they still act like they're reproducing. Like they still run and all that. So there was a there was an old guy one time that took us uh, out to a spot. We were building a barn for him, and he asked if we wanted to come fishing afterwards, and we were all about it. So he took us to the spot under a bridge. Gave us a jig and said, every time you cast that pole, you're going to bring up a fish. And so we we started casting. And this dude, sure enough, every time we every time we cast out, you might reel, you might get two or three reels in before that line pulls tight. And it was just one after another, after another, after another. We spent we spent more time unhooking fish. And we did casting our poles. It was the craziest thing. That's wild. And uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy if you've never seen one. They're they're really nice looking bass. Um, they just they uh they get stocked. They're um they're uh, grown in like a like a lab kind of ordeal, and then they um. They have them dropped in the ponds and stuff like that by lots of them. There's ponds that you can go to that are just full of nothing but wipers. But after after uh, after he did that and we he got us, you know what I mean, he got us on some wipers and I learned a little bit about what they were and all that. I started really, really getting into it. Started fishing a lot. Started going down to Allen Creek in Ohio. And uh, we would... Uh, fish olive creek and then from there we went on a boat on a couple times but we didn't do too much uh olive creek and go fishing and my other brother-in-law had a jet ski had a four-man jet ski and told us we can take the jet ski so him and i both got on this four-seater jet ski with some fishing gear and rolled out and went fishing on the lake we kind of look silly but we wanted to go fishing and it is what it is it doesn't matter how we look about we out there doing it and we had we had fun it was a good experience caught a few fish but then uh moved back to florida and first time i had got introduced into saltwater fishing uh was actually all of us my first time getting in, introduced into saltwater fishing because when I when I first lived here, we we knew I never fished really at all. So, and the crazy thing is, is I only lived in Ohio for seven years. Most of my life living in Florida, and I didn't start saltwater fishing till 2015 or 16, something like that, when we moved back to Florida, and. I enjoyed the saltwater fishing. It was fun. Uh, I think the only thing I ever caught was a saltwater catfish, which was, that was kind of funny because it looked like I had a 30-pound fish on it, the way my <laughs> line was acting. And even had some guys on a boat stop because they seen me trying to reel this monster in, playing, fighting with it, you know, and had my pole straight bent over. I'm, uh, I mean, it looked like I had a monster. And these guys are just, they completely stopped and just sat there waiting to see what was going to be on the end of that line. 
And it took so long to get this fish in that the guys on the boat decided they just were going to leave. So they left. And then about five minutes later, I finally got it in. And it was like a, what was it, Brandon? Like a, like a five-pound catfish, saltwater cat? I think it was rat or something because, yeah, it was the weirdest thing. It was one of the smallest saltwater cats I've ever seen. But uh, you did as Remember, you also caught a shark. Remember, you caught that, like, shark. That the ding oh, that <laughs> shark. Yeah, that was yeah, that was so uh that was pretty cool because I don't know, have you ever caught a shark, uh Trevor? Yeah, I've caught a few of them. They're pretty neat. I've I've caught a few of them out there fishing on them bridges. Yeah, this one was uh I don't want to say this spot. I'm not gonna say this spot, even though it's a common spot. You've been there with us, Trevor. You no know, spots, you no spots, is. no spots naming. <laughs> Yeah. But this one, what was cool is it was the first time we ever, I've caught a shark since then, but it, I, I think this one was a little bit bigger because the one I caught was like barely, like probably about, you know, maybe a foot long. But this one was, if I remember correctly, it was about two foot. Yeah, and I was the one that, yeah, I held it while you took the hook out. And that thing was one of the strongest things I've ever felt ever. And I've, I've picked up some snakes and, and things like that. But this thing was was crazy. You would try to hold it stiff and it would flex. And then because of its skin, the way its skin felt, it felt like uh, like sandpaper. Uh-huh. doesn't have like any type of slime to it. It was just sandpaper. But I, we looked it up. It was a shovel-nosed shark is what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was... That was a fun fight with that one too. That was was because that that catfish. I mean, it had to have been it had to have been caught up and stalked on all kinds of stuff because man, it that the way that fight was, it was it was crazy. <laughs> they had my full straight yeah. bent. I was reeling it the whole time, and it, but when we get the fish up, there's no cuts, there's no nothing. Like it, it was weird. It was like that, it, that, it, that beach know. has. It's so much stuff on it that you really have to. It's like one of the few beaches you can't walk out into the water and think you're going to take 10 foot out into the water and cast out. Like that might be the mistake that like sends you to the hospital. You know what I mean? Because there's so much stuff in that water. It's still like, like we're Florida boys. And usually when we go to a beach or something, we ain't wearing no, Hey, I bought, I have a pair uh, beach shoes just for where this fishing spot because of how it is. Like he, it, I think I think that catfish got wrapped up in one of those limbs or something like that right there. But I think, oh yeah, that was, I wore a pair of work boots out there one time. <laughs> I had yeah. some work boots and I put them on and I just I wore them all the way out there just because you you got to be careful, man. You would get cut up walking out there. Oh yeah, it's it's good. Horrible. Good fishing spot, though. Yeah, that's that a is. good fishing spot. It is. Oh, yeah. That's a good fishing spot. Yeah, I know exactly where you are talking about, man. It's nice out there. I've done a good bit of fishing out there and uh, from different spots on different sides and stuff. And there's always, seems to be always something biting out there. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but other, I mean, other than that, though, some of the, some of the most popular fish fish to catch up there is um around lake erie you get to go up there and catch some, some uh walleye and 
they're they're a decent sized fish. You can get them pretty big. And other than that, like bluegill, catfish, bass, and walleye was was really what we were after up up in Ohio. And we we catch them. We caught like I don't know. I want to say it was like 24, 25 wipers one time, and brought them home and fried them up with some frog legs. Had a had a really good meal that night. But uh, yeah, most of my fishing was done. It was probably it was probably done before after two thousand fifteen, sixteen, somewhere in there was when I really started getting into it. And yeah, it was, I loved it ever since my, my favorite, my favorite was a jig. Um, I like, uh, bait casters. My preference is like a six, seven foot pole. Um, and, uh, I like the Abu Garcia. That's what I've, I have one that my very first fishing reel that I ever got when I first started fishing in Ohio. And I still have it to this day and still use it. And it uh, it's just it's my favorite one. It hasn't let me down. I even I even took it in salt water one time. I probably shouldn't have. And it it had to weird for a little bit, but it it was fine after I rinsed it out. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean other than that, it's other than that, it's just some crazy uh, events and stories that that we've had. You know, just out there on the water, like the one with the with the yacht and the wake boat. That was a crazy experience. Almost swamped that boat. Yeah, we were uh, we were going. That was another time where because we're not scared to go uh, uh, catfishing around here either. That's actually another. If I'm not bass fishing, I would like to go catfishing only because catfishing we we can eat around here. Um, we have like four different varieties that I know of in the Jacksonville area, um, but. Uh, Anyways, we were on the on the way to go uh, go. We can say Black Creek, right? It was in the recreational park of Black Creek, is where it was. They're probably in the one spot we shouldn't have been at on a fourteen foot John boat. Um, what was it? Thirty six inches wide uh-huh. with a four horse motor. How fast can we go? Uh, <laughs> we can only go like seven. Yeah, seven miles per hour, top speed, and. Uh, I was driving and I'm going as fast as we could, but we would always say the boat would, the best part about the boat, it would float with me and Matt in it. I weigh about 180 to 190 pounds. Matt weighs about 230, 240. And the boat would still float in like three to four inches of water. You know, it would float in so little water that I would ride the banks real close. And, uh, this one, we were about, what would you say, Matt? Probably about 40 yards, maybe, Oh, yeah. Maybe a little less parts away from the bank, right on the other side of the grass. Like, like if Matt was to reach out, he could have touched the grass on on uh, the left hand side of the boat. Um, well, uh, the next thing you know, here comes a, a a yacht, and we could hear the yacht, so it wasn't that big of a deal. We were like, okay, we're 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 gonna pay attention to this. We're gonna see how we're gonna handle this, or whatever. But at the same time, here comes this wake boat because we're in the recreational section of, of Black Creek. 
And this wake boat and this yacht passed by us at the exact same time and caused one heck of a wave. I, I'm not 100% sure how big the wave was, but I remember looking at the motor and I looked at the motor and I could see the propeller as I was leaning back, grabbing the side of the boat. And I watched the water stop coming out of the motor while the motor was still running. And I was hoping that the boat would hurry up and figure out if it was going to be in the water or what the deal was. because I, I didn't know how to stop the motor. And about that time it was, bam, and the, and the boat was back in the water and everything. And we're like literally a couple of feet away from the shore. Right. What, a, what had actually happened was, uh, I don't know if you remember too much, but what exactly happened was uh, when we were riding that wave, that wave, you pulled the uh, you pulled the emergency shutoff because the motor no, was in the water, and then I was yelling, "Crank the motor! Crank the motor!" And you were trying to get the emergency thing back in cranked the motor up, and then we literally surfed this wave until it mellowed out. And then had some people in front of us about, I don't know, maybe 100 yards just staring at us after this whole entire event was over with. Yeah. But the engine had completely shut off and trying to get it cranked back up, and it got cranked back up, and then we surfed this thing. <laughs> I remember we both, when it happened, we were both leaning all the way to the right side of the boat just to keep it level. We were almost leaning over this thing just to keep it level. And I, I ended up like kind of looking down and I don't like, like you said, I don't know how big this wave was, but if I were to take a guess, the left side of the boat was a good, I'd say two to three feet off the water. I remember when it slapped the it slapped the, the the water. When it slapped the water, it like it felt like somebody like kicked you in the butt because we had those seat the cheapest Walmart seats you could have and had them on some swivels that were sweet. I like the seats, but when this happened, the seat literally hit you in the in the butt so hard that it felt like somebody reared back and kicked you because of it. It, it was great. It, it was so well. That's rough. Yeah. That was the only time we ever went out there. We never went back out there after that. I we bet y'all did. No, we went back there. We took it at the time. The, oh, did we go a different way? That was the only time was, we launched from that boat ramp. Yeah. Because well, we there was the time from the in the in the recreational area. So from there on out, after that happened, we started we started launching from a little from a little dock on a back road. Yeah. But that uh, but the there was one time we went all the way back out there, and how did we get back out there? The, the time where we had to paddle out because the manatees wouldn't leave us alone. Remember that? Oh, and manatees yeah. Oh, and we had like. And there was a couple of manatees all around us to where we didn't want to turn on the motor. So we had to paddle our boat out just to get away from these guys. And they were following us and everything. They were smelling the motor and all kinds of things. Wow. Huh. Yeah, it was wild. That's wild. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, I, I really, 
pretty much covered most of my fishing stuff. I I did all right catching some things, but like I pretty much, I mean, I kind of hung up my fishing guns for a while and started hunting. And I mean, I'm really kind of leveling out a little bit, I guess, to where I want to fish a little bit more. And me and Nathan went out and on the live mullet he caught it was a big old live mullet he caught with the cast net when we went scouting on the kayaks he caught something real big well he didn't catch it he hooked into something real big and it took off and ended up breaking his line but it was pretty fun man it got me excited again and we just didn't really catch a whole lot else i think i caught a stingray that was it but it was still fun man and fishing's fun I like getting out there as much as I can, and I also like sometimes mixing when I'm scouting, mixing some fishing in there, and kind of, I'll probably do that some in the next few days, go move some cameras around, take some fishing poles, all that fun stuff, kind of keep it all together. Yeah, we uh, we were thinking of a 4th of July type thing of doing something like that, me and my family, maybe seeing if... Uh, if any of y'all wanted to get together and try to do something like that on 4th of July, instead of shooting off some fireworks or anything like that, do something more like that. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's do that and shoot the bows. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see yeah. if I can, I'll see if oh, I can man. swing it. Sounds, sounds like a good time. Definitely see if we can swing it and uh, maybe cook up some deer meat and stuff. That'd be fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, man, one uh, you know, one thing I don't want to skip back uh, by is the catfishing, because uh, catfishing around here is like really big. There's a lot of good places to go catfishing. One of our, and we like to go on these uh, canoe trips that we should uh, try to line one up for for the four of us or five of us, however, if Paul wanted to go. Uh, but man, that was that. There was one time we went fishing and we used uh, bacon as the. This was when bacon was affordable. Uh, we used bacon <laughs> as the uh, as the uh, bait, and how many catfish we catch that night, Matt? There was uh, there was seven of us, right? There was yeah, yeah, seven of us, and we ended up catching her. It was thirty 35. plus. It was thirty five in one night. Yeah, yeah, we were cleaning them right there. We had to have a dump. Uh, shout out to dump, but we had to have this uh, young buck friggin' literally guard us with paddles because we were cleaning so many fish that we started attracting gators out there on the on the uh the uh Ogie swamp you gotta quit dropping and, these uh, names you gotta quit throwing all these names out doggy no, this, I, <laughs> you can't uh this one right here you have to actually like sketch it's it's way more it's not something you're allowed to just go fish. You can't just do that here. You have to, it's, there's a whole process to get, make it happen and everything like that. It's not, you can't just go fish Loki Pinocchio that easy. It's, it's, it's just not that easy. Um, but man, that's the, the bacon tore them up. You killed them with the bacon. They, they, they was biting good on the bacon. Yeah, that's what, that's what we, uh, a lot of times we use like a lot of people get dead shrimp and everything because you just save your leftover shrimp because they like that stinky, smelly, oily stuff. And that shrimp, you know, you know how it gets when you refreeze it a couple of times. That stuff gets nastier and nastier every time you refreeze it. And the catfish love it. 
what this bacon, what it would do. We would take cheap bacon, and um, I don't remember the exact sizes, but you could one piece of bacon could bake like probably three hooks, four hooks. And then every time you threw it into the water, as soon as that bacon hit the water, you just watched all the oil and fattiness just go off into the water. So if you can see that on the top, imagine what it's doing down there where it's actually sitting, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was that was a good time. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Was a, it, we went, uh, it was a 37-mile uh, canoe trip. Right, thirty no, twenty twenty two mile, I'm sorry, twenty two mile canoe trip. Uh over three days. Uh, it was it was uh it's one of those things that when you're going through it, you're like, Man, this is not the funnest thing, but then when you're done with it, you're like, Man, it was amazing, you know? Right. I yeah. think it was I think it was uh it was eleven, ten, twelve. So it was eleven miles to the first dock. No Yeah, eleven miles to the first dock. And then it was, I think it was 12 miles to the next dock. And then it was 10 back because remember we had to pass where our exit point was by two miles or a mile. So it was like 31, 32 miles total. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was thinking 22, but I think you're right actually. Cause I do remember the first day was 11 miles and they recommended you got there early because of you were going to have to take a car ride to the first starting spot. Yeah. So, and then and then we had to pass on the way back. We had to come all the way back, pass our exit point, and then come back to our exit point, extraction point. Yeah, that, that sounds like a blast. Yeah, that's yeah. Not... It was fun because you also you learn like, like. So I did it one other time, and the other time I did it, it was not that long. I think it was more like just eleven to twelve miles. But I did it on the cheapest. Uh, kayak you can get for uh, uh, Walmart and I overloaded my kayak and ended up doing this trip it's, it's stunk so bad it was just not fun and then uh, the next time I, I packed extra light and it was it was like super easy we could you know I could have brought some more stuff or whatever like that you know and it's like it, when you're having that long trip of endurance like that, you got to realize, do I really need it? Do I not need it? Do I really need it? Is this going to be worth it? You know, it's, yep. it's an interesting uh, game you're playing. Oh, yeah. That's how that long distance game is when you're hunting too, walking real far back and stuff, really trying to get away from people and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah, we can – go ahead. This trip isn't all uh, – this trip – this trip can be a pain in the butt to schedule because you have to schedule it like so far in advance. And then if you, if you miss out on it, uh, like people cannot show up. So you can say, Oh, I'm gonna have five people and only three people show up. But if you, if nobody shows up, they can, they'll make it to where you don't even apply for it no more. So it's like, you have to like, you're, you have to schedule this thing like perfectly because you can't lose your privileges. It's a, it's a very particular thing. They don't allow any type of motors at all. It, it's um, no type of firearms at all. And you're, you're literally like paddling within feet of gators, you know, and these are, these are like the Florida Georgia line gators. You're technically in Georgia through most of this trip. And these gators are huge, but they'll just be out there sunbathing and you have to just go right by them with no type of protection the best you got is a decent knife that's it 
You can't be jumping. Yeah, but it's fun. You literally just have to just go with it. You just have to see this guy. Knowledge that you see him, but just maybe take it up a little half stroke or something like that. (laughs) It was was one time we came around a 90-degree corner. And as soon as we came around the corner, boy, this gator started just a rolling, crashing all over the place, just rolling. It, it pretty much scared the mess out of us, to be honest with you. We picked it up a notch. We started paddling a lot harder. <laughs> I bet. No, I would. I just sent y'all a video of a, a, a alligator eating a deer in Florida that was crossing a river like that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, people, people, uh, I don't know, because a lot of people, I think, are aware of the gator uh, thing here, but I don't think people are aware of, like, how many there actually is that, that, like, how strict that they have the regulations and everything is just kind of, it's a bit much. I mean, every time we go out, we see them. I literally went to a side job uh, last weekend, and at the side job, freaking, they had a little small pond in their yard, and it had two gators living in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking on that you could throw a rock across this thing. Yep. And they said they had to wait and like, control people to come get the things and everything like that. I was like, this is like, it's, it's crazy when you go out into the woods and how often you see them, you know. And then, you know, like if you live down here, you know, it's like a whole big deal to, to even get a license to hunt those things. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. But I guess they, you know, just like everything else, they probably got their reasons, biologists and all that. Who knows? I don't know enough about it. I know they give out a bunch of tags. They started giving out more here recently, too. You just got to pay for them. Yeah. That's like most stuff. It's just money involved. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah, think. I think got to be something fun to do, though. It's just well, the effort it takes to get the, the ability to even buy the tags. I had a buddy that's done it. I went. Uh, gator fishing one time gator hunting gator fishing whatever it is i actually hooked into one it was real exciting the thing ran off and ended up getting off the the big treble hook i was using to try to reel the thing in but somehow i mean i can i can link you up with him he knows how to do it he pretty much gets one every year he applies for him i mean it just cost it's kind of one of them things i'm i'm not interested in it enough to really go out and go try to do it i'm too busy trying to deer hunt what yeah well i don't know about y'all but i'm at a point where i'm cool with wrapping it up and uh we laid down a pretty long episode just some of our fishing background and we hope everybody we didn't bore everybody too much with it but i think we we told some pretty good fishing stories and stuff and um i don't have a whole lot of knowledge this was more of just maybe less educational and more just our our fishing experiences just to keep y'all along with it in case we do some more fishing soon i try to get some some guests on and do some interviews about some more fishing stuff if if anyone's interested in that just send me a message and i'll reach out to some guys i got i know anthony steiger he he is with uh some offshore fishing charter people and he captains a boat out and Has a lot of fun, and we had a, a episode. I don't remember exactly what episode it was, but we don't have too many. I think it's nine or something like that, maybe, of some of his fishing stuff. So 
if you want to go check that out make sure you share this with a friend and uh check us out on youtube and facebook send us a message if you got any questions and anything we like you'd like us to cover for deer season coming up all that good stuff uh i appreciate appreciate you matt and brandon <laughs> yeah man we always um just trying to keep something coming man keep some keep some stuff flowing out for everybody and uh we appreciate everybody following along with us it's fun to do this thing that's mostly why we do it we don't get paid or anything and we just like getting together and talking about all this i do want to try to do some more fly fishing too i'll leave in on that note and i know we had go back and listen to last week's uh, podcast we had a buddy on Kyle Smith he done some traditional bow hunting traditional fly fishing all that good stuff for all different types of species of fish so that's pretty neat too we appreciate y'all for stopping by and checking us out here at one day outdoors make sure you go check out some of our YouTube videos and stuff and we're gonna try to get some good ones coming for this season and we will catch y'all on the next one Happy 4th. Happy July 4th.